because it's a ironclad guarantee if you are reading a romance novel. We can say we can say it together. One, right. two, three. Happily ever after. I did HEA. Sorry. Anyang SAO, welcome to Afternoona Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K Romance guides. So grab some deck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Hi there. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the term fake it until you make it? I know. Tonight, we are sponsored by that old cliche. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it feels like. Because otherwise, we would be getting on going, oh. <laughs> I know I'm drinking like, uh, like hydrated water. Well, that sounds weird. You know, like the extra hydration powder you can put in water. Yes. You know what She's I She's like, said. I made my water waterier. No, listen, listen. <laughs> my water we're... is the most hydrated. Listen, it's I cannot. so watery. I cannot word today. We just finished. Today. We just finished a Patreon live. And I was trying to think of the word geology, like the study mm-hmm. of rocks. And I said, rockage rockage she studies rockage i said she studies <laughs> rockage like <laughs> like the fact that that actually came out of my mouth and i was for a, a second i was like that sounds good <laughs> and then i was like, like that's a word done I and was... done hashtag science <laughs> scienced it <laughs> totally what? science it i did a science <laughs> me like, and the a... rockage <laughs> wait a minute that's not a word and then i was and then it and then it hit me later belatedly like thanks brain because i i already said rockage <laughs> so aye, that's, aye, aye, aye. that's where i'm at intellectually today welcome to still... welcome to 40 <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So, yeah, what is draining your battery today? Today, specifically, all of the things. Um, you, I'll give you a laundry list. I'm overextended at work. I'm overextended at home with writing obligations. I am... Um, de- I, I have... Uh, I'm dealing with a family member who is uh, under the weather... <laughs> For, for lack of a better term. Um, it's just, I feel like all the shit like hits at once, right? Like, it always does. And I, like, I, I sat in my, I didn't eat lunch today. I didn't get up from my desk. I think I peed once and all of a sudden I realized it was the end of the day. And I'm like, I haven't gotten up. Oh my God. For eight that hours. That drains you. Yeah. And that drains you. And, and. <laughs> it does need to drain you when yeah, you haven't. And- and I'm day. gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna err on the side of that nobody I work with listens to this podcast, and if they do, then whatever. Um, but I mean, so something that's new to me, being in the corporate world that I wasn't in until you know a little over a year ago, is um, meetings that I just sit in but don't have any involvement. Oh, <laughs> and so that was two of my hours today. And you're like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? It- that's a yeah. That's fun. That see, that's the time that you work on writing. Well, no, that was I was I was multitasking doing my job because I was it was a like they were Google meetings and so and I have three monitors so I just had my work up 
on, you know, another month. I'm looking at you all on the screen, but I'm working over here to my yeah. upper right. You just my one take eyeball. Like a, <laughs> take a zoom other. shot of yourself with your most thoughtful expression. <laughs> and then just set it, that, it, set it my... as your zoom background and then just go away. <laughs> That's amazing. And actually and move, then go pee. And actually move out of the frame. Yeah. Move out <laughs> of the frame. And like you can even do it on like one of those little videos where you kind of move a little bit and shift on loop. Oh, that's genius. Not, make a, just make a GIF. Yeah, I'm not saying I've done that. That would be very wrong. And <laughs> so unprofessional. Yeah, definitely. But the would way never that, that like things freeze sometimes, it looks like a GIF. So it'd be like totally the mm-hmm. out, like I would totally buy into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Let's see. What's draining my battery today is um, <laughs> this was a very bad question. I apologize. No, it's okay. I mean, I know because. <laughs> Kind of Everyone's like, at home listening, like Christ, bringing me down too. I'm I was listening to you to pick me up. Sorry. So yeah, my mom's cat died, and <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> God. I know it's it's not funny. It's not funny, but it's funny that we're so we're so down today. But anyway, that obviously affected me today. It affected me, my family. It was because my kids cried. It was like a whole thing. And it's just, it's just, and then, believe it or not, I'm really, really struggling with writing. I'm just having a really hard time. Um, It's like, I know what I want to write, but for some reason, I just can't seem to, like, do it. So it's, I didn't, so it's not like I hit writer's block, meaning I, I know what comes next. Like, I know exactly what needs to happen in this book, but I sit down and, like, I just, my fingers don't move. It's very weird. And so that's, you know, puts me in a really, like, shitty mood. And then I'm kind of, like, staring at my screen and I've written, like, 500 words in, like, a few hours. Which is not a lot for those of you who... Right. That's awful. (laughs) I mean, I'm not not trying to, like, belabor, like, oh, you didn't do anything. Like, I I get that feeling. Like, when you're, like... No. I mean, it's awful for me. When you, like, keep checking the word count and you're, like, really? Yeah. I mean, if you write five... If, like, your goal is 500 words in a few hours and you make it, good for you. For me, that's not my goal and it's not good for me. Um, so yeah, it was just, yeah, it's just been, and then like, I'm having a hard time balancing, like, my kids are older now and have so many activities and I am really struggling with like the emotion, the mental toll it takes to like handle what they do, but then also handle what I do, which I know is just adulting, but I clearly But it's am, a lot because your yeah. existence is not your own. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, it's okay. Uh, you know, just, just. Uh, I feel like I'm just having an adjustment period uh, to this life. fall and winter. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to get my shit together soon. It's just a little bit of a struggle now. So, Leah, did a, like, you don't have a dead pet, correct? Yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I am worried about my cat because it keeps escaping in the night. Oh, and no, I know it's still? like. How? Oh, yeah. Oh. Um just various ways it's just obsessed with wanting to be outside and so it just like tries all the systems and like it's got the dog and so at night sometimes i think they work in cahoots and get the balcony door open and it can just throw itself off the top story of the balcony like it just jumps two stories down um and so yeah no he's an insane gremlin yeah and so yeah like the other night two in the morning there's like a cat fight outside somewhere and i'm like my cat and then he comes home in the morning and his ears all mangled and like, <gasps> oh no 
Yeah, he's just he's a horrible little monster. But the problem is, is now I like him. So now it's like a real issue. because I'm like, God damn it. Something horrible is going to happen to you. And I like you. And he yeah. likes me as much as like he can with his demon little heart. <laughs> he, he is. He is a monster. Like, I think that other people like I was expecting the cat to be like the thing that just like hung around the house and like wanted to like live its best life. And he just like makes everything complicated. Like I give him wet cat food and then he I put it in his dry cat food. Then he like licks it all up, licks the cat food that's dry and then starts screaming again because he wants more of it. He's like a princess. (laughs) Then he just wanders the house screaming. And if I try to pick him up, then he's happy. But then if I put him down, he's screaming. But he like, I don't know. I'm not a toddler. It's like a toddler all the time. (laughs) And, like, my husband can't handle it. So I just say I like him just maybe out of, like, spite. I don't know. But I'm like, he's my precious baby that is with me at all times. So, yeah. Now, I'm like, my son, who we got the cat for, basically just, like, pets it once a day. So I'm, like, fully this cat's person at this point. Yeah, the cat shows you. That's the, the cat, cat's yeah. choose. And the cat shows you. And once you are a cat's person, that's, it. that's when you're, like... Oh, wow. Cats are awesome. Like, yeah. I, you always fall for the cat who, like, chooses you. you just... Yeah, but I just feel like it's a risky business because, like, I don't want the cat to, you know, I mean, if the cat just wanted to, like, live, it would be a lot easier. But I don't, I can't rationalize to the cat, you know. Right. Like, so You can't, you can't sit down and Danny get... Tanner, your cat. Yeah, be like, look, cat, there's there's coyotes seen, there's mountain lions seen. Like, I don't want to be picking up your tail. Like, that would be traumatic for me. Let's just right. not do it. You've got a whole space here. I will do whatever. T- I buy him catnip. He's like, fuck this catnip. I'm like, just get, like, <laughs> wow. high and hang he out in the house. Just get high? Wow. No. I give him catnip. I buy him expensive toys. He's just like, blah. I want to go outside. And then what he does he do outside, you wonder? Like, what adventures are he on? Nothing. He just sits in the front yard in, like, a patch of weeds and then just screams at himself. Like, I walk by and he's like, <laughs> just sitting in the yard. <laughs> you should put those little... I see some people that put like cameras on their cat's collar and then the cat runs oh around and you like see what the cat does. It's so funny. Little kitty you, have a, you have a bell on him now too, right? Yeah. Two huge bells, two huge right. copper bells. So he, can, so he is more at risk, but also can't be killing the animals of the neighborhood, which was well, a concern. Yeah. So anyway, um, but right. for me, so I'm writing for the first time in a long time. You know, I've done some ghostwriting, but I am getting a book that's either going to, it's going on submission it might sell. It's going to sell is what I should be saying. It's going to sell. Um, but no matter what, I'm publishing it. And oh, so, so I haven't written in a long time. And what I forgot is that writing makes me fucking crazy. Mm. <laughs> and so, like, I can't sleep. I'm, like, sleeping at weird times. I'm waking up at weird times. I'm, like, working till 2. I'm getting up at, like, 5. It's just, like, it messes with my whole, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I got sick last time was because I did this nonstop for years and fucked myself up. And so I can't do things normally, like a normal, like, and I'm, like, working. But even if I was work, like, even if I wasn't having a day job, I would still do this to myself. It's a pro. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's been, like, five years since I've really sat down and written, like, under my own pen name and all my bad habits. I was just like, oh, here you all are again. This is what we do. We're just a complete disaster. My husband keeps texting me like, oh, you've left the house with the garage door open again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I do. Like, I just like all those things just start happening. I so when I'm writing, same thing, I'll like put this was back when we used to buy orange juice, but I would put the orange juice like we find it in our cabinet. 
And mm. I'm like, how did I put the orange juice away in the cabinet? Like, I would just lose everything. So it's like, while I'm doing something, I'm thinking of the book I'm writing. Yeah. And then I just like, like, I, I lose things. I have no idea where I put them because when I put them down, my mind was completely on something yep. else. So I, and I'm I having like you. the ecstasy of like today driving being like, oh, my God, I think this is really good. I think I can be confident that like I'm happy with this and I'm just going to really enjoy how happy I am and how good I feel. Good. And then like an hour later, I'm who I am now, which is like, oh, my God, I can't do this. I know. <laughs> That's writing. Yeah. And so anyway, somebody on Patreon recently did ask a question that was like, how do you do it all to all of us? And I was like, badly. Yeah. I mean, like, shit falls apart. Like, yeah, we're not doing this well. I don't know how to explain it. We're not doing any of this well. <laughs> no, this morning I was like, I forgot about flossing. <laughs> And I was oh like, my- oh, yeah, flossing's a thing I'm meant to be doing, like, twice a day. It's been a couple weeks. Um, and I was like, um, I, I do flossed. not feel bad about missing <laughs> flossing ever. I floss usually, yeah. like, when I know I have a dentist appointment coming up. Because I'm like, no, I feel like it's studying for like a tw- test. No, you floss, like, twice a day. No, and reap the I benefits. do not. I do no, not. Never. I should, Well, but I, I do when I'm being, like, a functional human. But now, today, I was like, oh, what, I guess I feel better. Like, what... <laughs> I brush my teeth. Your- I brush my teeth multiple times a day, but I don't. I don't floss as much as I should. Okay. Well, yeah. And my leg hair is out of control right now. I have not <laughs> touched that. I don't touch my leg hair on a good day. I'm always hairy. I, I, I. It's honestly like a comfort thing for me. I typically do shave my legs because I mm. like the way it touches like my leggings. Sometimes, like, really it's- bothers me. Um, and I wear leggings a lot, so that's why. Uh, normally, I don't. Are leggings honest... inside pants or outside pants? I have my leggings actually are outside pants. Okay, I have the a leggings, leggings question, and okay. then we can move on. But I feel like this is a question. So okay. I have a friend who I will not name, and they, it's neither of you, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it was they were recently. They had someone visiting their house that was a man, and it was a man that they had known for a long time and they had feelings for, but it's like a friend. So we're in like a friend's, friend, like a, not friend, we, I don't even know if we're at friends to lovers yet. We're at friends, but like friends with like dot, 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 is there something else that's going to happen? This person has come to visit them, whatever, whatever. Anyway, long story short, I was like, you know, this has been going on a long time. I feel like maybe you need to kind of like put it out there, like kind of like let's define what this is or not define what it is. And like there's avenues to the probably do that that are not going to make you feel very uncomfortable. Like you could disguise it as kidding or, you know, you're just going to poke around at this. And she's like, look, I don't need to do any of that because today I've just decided to like really pull it out and I'm wearing leggings. <laughs> and I was like, well, what does that mean? And she's like, well, I'm wearing leggings. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. And she's like, so I never wear leggings. I'm like, well, I don't think that's going to send the sign you're thinking it is to, like, this, like, random dude who, like, you, neither of you have made a move in years. Like, today right. you bust at leggings. So I'm just curious. Am I missing something? If you put on the leggings, does that mean? Is that, like, come wanna... on upstairs for ramen? Like, I mean, yeah. Is that I Netflix don't think, and chill? I don't think a, a man thinks that that's a sign though i think he's like oh she wants to be comfortable i don't Do even think he thinks leggings? that i, don't even th- I think <laughs> yeah. he, i don't even think he notices the pants i bet no. he could hang out with her all night and when he leaves they ask her they if you asked him what pants does she have on he'd be like she might have been wearing shorts he would have no he wouldn't even know he would not know the color or the type of pants she was wearing she, he'd be like she has legs 
that. Yeah, I that. feel like it's just not a thing that, yeah, no. No. They're for me. Leggings are for me. Because they're comfy. Yeah, I would never be like, oh, tonight's the night. I've put my leggings on. So anyway, I don't think my friend listens. If she does, hello. And I did give her shit in real life, too. But I was just curious that, like, was I missing something there? I don't think so. No. How do we segue? Um, hmm. Into. <laughs> so. <laughs> Those are here whenever. The so leggings, leggings <laughs> are kind of like when, you know, when you're comfortable to be com- when you're comfortable enough to be comfortable around a partner, yeah. you throw on your leggings. Yeah. Sometimes you're comfortable around two partners. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Or sometimes you have to take off those leggings and put on jeans and be a little uncomfortable. Maybe you uh, were a leggings person at one point in your life. But you're no longer a leggings but person. But now you're a jeans person. And can you ever go back to being a leggings person? Right. Okay. Well, I think it, I think it works with what we were saying about sometimes you're a leggings person and then sometimes you change and you're not a leggings person anymore. Yeah. And then what does that mean? Can you ever go back to being a leggings person? <laughs> Can you just be in this endless loop of hard pants and soft pants forever? <laughs> or, right, or does one identity just kind of, you know, that's my past. Leggings are my and past. And my question is, why do we have to choose? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Okay. Right. So, speaking of, are we a leggings person or a jeans person or whatever? Who we are determines who we love. It's a quote. Or so says a Vulture article called The One That Got Away by Malika Rao. In the article, Rao takes a look at the autobiographical inspiration for Celine Song's debut film, Past Lives. So there's another article. I did a little bit of a deep dive here. Thomas Page's CNN.com article, The Idea of What Makes an American Movie is Changing, describes past lives as telling the story of Nora, a character who moves from Korea to Canada as a child and later makes a life in the United States. As a 30-something living in New York City with her writer husband, Arthur, she is visited by Sung, her childhood sweetheart, causing her to contemplate what her life might have been had she not left. The movie's grand arc is pulled from Song's own life. I'm taking this off from the the article, too, so just so y'all know, I'm quoting here. In which she, like Nora, played by Greta Lee, has built a career as a playwright in New York. Before Past Lives, Song wrote the stage play called Endlings, which debuted in 2019 at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, with its subsequent New York run cut short by the COVID-19 pandemic. And she's also written for Amazon's fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. Past Lives was her first screenplay, and the script is so, like, sort of inextricable from her life, um, like, very autobiographical, that a production company, A24, suggested that she direct the movie because of how close she is to, to what actually happens here in the film. Um, even though she's never directed before, which I thought was kind of cool to learn. So there's a lot to discuss about this movie, and we've been talking about it all day um, in our Slack chats. Um, Not a whole lot we can do without spoilers, but we'll start with a brief spoiler-free section and then 
as always, let you know when we're diving into the nitty gritty. So let's start with the obvious, because I I know Megan's going to have a lot to say about this. (laughs) Where has Tayu been all our lives? Because only one of your Nunas has watched Love to Hate You so far. And is it safe to say that we're all fans now? So, yeah. So I watched Love to Hate You before I watched this movie. And Love to Hate You was so interesting because in the very beginning, Tall Yu's character is incredibly unlikable. Like, very unlikable. And it's definitely meant to present that way. And I remember thinking, and he kind of has just a very interesting look. Um, I, I want to say that I don't think he fits Korean beauty standards. Um, I, I could be wrong in that, but uh, he just is kind of like, he just doesn't seem like he does. And so I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I think about him. He's a and very then, good looking man, by the way. Oh, like very good looking extremely man. good looking. Yeah. But I sort of was like, where are we going with this drama with him? Like, I just, you know what I mean? And then he hit me like a ton of bricks. And then I was in love with him. And I'm like, wait a minute. This actor is phenomenal. He is charming. He can play vulnerability really well. He's extremely masculine. Just a lot. Did you like Hate to Love You? I did. I actually really, really liked Hate to Love You. Um, I thought it was very unique. I hadn't seen a lot of K-drama. I haven't seen a lot of K-dramas that I would say had these characters um the heroine was like just so great i I actually really really like the drama i am very glad that it was kind of recommended to us and uh we were pushed or i was pushed to watch it because i really loved it so then when you guys were like i i never i guess when i saw the trailers for past lives i was like oh this one kind of looks like like a heart wrencher and like maybe gratuitous like heart-wrenching do you know what i mean and i was like i don't know if i'm in the mood for that but then when i realized he was the lead i'm like okay well now now i'm into it so he was what really drew me uh into it and i'm so glad he and he played such a different character in this he was just so much more uh like i guess i would say sensitive but he wasn't as confident he was, you know, a little insecure, and it just to see him in this role was really awesome. So I love him. I am a huge fan. He's married to a woman who is older than him, who's like a very famous artist. I'm just, I just love him. Love it. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan, basically. <laughs> um. Yeah. And I, I mean, not to say that Hate to Love You is the only thing that he's in, but he does have a very short list of dramas. Like, he's done more movies than he has dramas. Um. So this is the first thing that I've seen him in. I, I did watch, like, the first couple episodes of Hate to Love You, and then not for n- not because I didn't like it, but got sidetracked watching something else for, I think, the pod, and so I didn't finish it, but I'm definitely going to go back to it now. And um, I was blown away by him in this. Like, I... The emotional depth of his character, especially he doesn't say a lot. Yeah, he's a really like quiet a lot guy. of like this is Nora's story, right? So this is this is Nora's story, but his scenes like he it's like this quiet, but but big presence. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, I just I loved him with all my heart. I love Hey Sung. Yeah, big soul. He brings a lot of soul to his performance. Yes. 
Oof. Um, yeah, so I just echo that. He's also in chocolate, which I've had on my list for a thousand years. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I want to watch that too. He's just so good. Yeah, he's so good. And also shout out to the kids who played their characters as well. They're not in the it for a lot, great. but the kids are great. They were. The kids really were great. The film examines the Asian diaspora experience through Nora, formerly Na Young, whose family immigrates to Canada, and then Nora ends up in New York. While we cannot relate directly to Nora's experience, uh, we are all at least third-generation American. What, if any, are your cultural ties outside the U.S., and how do you think that shapes your identity? So, I've mentioned on the pod before that I'm Jewish, um, and I consider myself more culturally Jewish than religious um, because I do think it's a big part of my identity um, but I'm not a a very religious person Um, I I am third generation uh, American my great grandparents I'm lucky that both sides of my family my great grandparents on my mom's side and my great grandparents on my dad's side um came to the U.S. before World War II was oh. at its apex. And they basically, that was, that was like the, you know, the, you can go way, way, way back. Like the Jewish diaspora, like starts, you know, way, way in the Middle East. Right. Um, because, you know, there, there is, you know, Israel, which is like the Holy Land and people have, you know, left there and spread out across the globe. But then there's the Eastern European diaspora, which is people fleeing, um, you know, during the the rise of World War II. And so all of my family um, that I know of, right, that, that I've met, because I, I did get to meet some of my great-grandparents, um, came here from Poland and Lithuania. And I have, like, I think what's weird about it is I have zero, like, I've never been to Poland. I've never been to Lithuania. Any sort of, like, customs or culture that came from those countries, like, kind of faded with my grandparents' generation. Um, It was also a time, like, my grandparents' generation was a time of, you know, either you were open and proud about being Jewish or you tried to cover up that you were Jewish. And I had... Um, my grandma's, um, brother, uh, I think it was my grandma's brother. Yeah. Changed his last name so that it wouldn't sound as Jewish. I think that's the story. Um, so it's, it's a weird thing. Um, I think like I can't relate to Nora in having left anything behind, but I do feel like a little bit cut off, I guess, from, you know, my cultural heritage because there was a lot of, you need to assimilate when you came here when you were Jewish in like the late 30s. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that you're only like third generation. I didn't re- I didn't realize that. Yeah, and there's also the thing like you know a lot of people coming over like through like Ellis Island in New York and you just told them what your name was and that was your name yeah. when you got here. And so some people just shortened it because mm-hmm. they couldn't spell it. Like my great grandmother's last name was Moretsky. And it was, so it was, yeah, what my great uncle, my great grandmother, and then my, no, my great, yeah, my great grandmother, and then my, my grandmother's brother changed it to Merit. 
Oh, okay. And that wasn't like, like she came through as Moretzky and then he grew up and he changed it to Merritt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my husband's family, uh, they kind of, they even still kind of have like the, the documents from Ellis Island or they can like see Mm -hmm. when they change the spelling of Erickson. Um, my family, I, my dad's friend is actually doing some genealogy on his Oh, my mom's huge into genealogy. Yeah. Oh, really? So my dad's friend's doing it. And what's funny is like my dad's family has been in this county forever <laughs> like we have been here for freaking ever um like since so, like since the puritans oh, came i i think he's still going back i think he's still looking <laughs> we've been here forever um i would say i did grow up with a lot of pennsylvania dutch influences but then that was that was america based i mean yeah they brought over um influences from europe but it was pennsylvania dutch was kind of its own thing uh, my grandfather spoke pennsylvania dutch and i still know some words and um which is obviously like a kind of dying language but yeah but other than that um you know i don't have anything what's the I, word in pennsylvania dutch i want to know uh so big thing is like if a kid is um being um like really fidgety you say like quit rooching around like you're being rooty so I grew up with people saying, like, quit, quit rooching around is just, like, what you tell little kids. And is Pennsylvania um, Dutch, like, derivative of actual Dutch? That's more like German, but yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. So, but other than that, it, like, it's, I've, I've just, I've kind of, we've always lived here. And so it was hard for me. Um, well, not hard for me. I couldn't relate to Nora in that aspect. But we'll get to it. There are other re- ways, though, that I could still relate to this movie. And one thing I loved about it is I maybe couldn't relate to Nora, but I, I felt like I was learning, like I felt like I was not learning something. I felt like I was, uh, I was understanding. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Something. And I think that's a big point of the movie. Yeah. I think that's what I love so much about it because I was like, it's her story. This is her story. It's her, told from her perspective and she centered a Korean American, I, I guess, Korean American woman. Or Korean um, Canadian. Korean Canadian. I'm sorry. You're right. Korean Canadian. Korean North American. <laughs> Korean North American she was centered and it was her story and I really I loved that I love that her story wasn't told in relation to like a white character I guess because yes she had a white husband but like it wasn't his story it was never his story um so I just I really liked that because I was like okay I'm, I'm learning something that's a little more outside myself but like I said we'll get to it there's other ways that I felt like I could fully still completely relate to this story yeah, I think that um, recently I was also in a training, too, that I thought was interesting where, um, you know, the folks leading the training were people of color who also invited us to do kind of this, which is, you know, sometimes I think that, like, we as, like, white folk don't do as great of a job of, like, unpacking our own diaspora. That's not to, like, uncenter or unsee other people's experiences or take away from that, like, you know, especially, like, in talking about a sh- movie like this. But I do think it's good to realize that, like, yeah. We're all from somewhere else. Yeah. If we live here <laughs> and we're not yep. like first 100%. Nations, right? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. just kind of like, okay. So yeah, I'm a bit of a mutt. Um, so I'll talk about a couple though, really fast, just cause there's some interesting things in there. So um, from the Michigan side, uh, you know, I've come from like a German family, which can trace its roots back to like probably about like 1845. I found the grave of my 
four-time great-grandfather in a grave in Ann Arbor. So I'm a genealogy dork. Surprise, surprise. Um, So I found the grave on one of my trips home because that was like a fun way for me to spend my summer vacation. And I discovered it broken and it was laying face down with like the elements falling on it. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem great. Like, you know, this is like the first person from like my family to come from Germany. I talked about this with my uncle who I'm not very close to and we don't have very much in common with. However, he had the same sense of like family obligation so we went in his pickup truck to the University of Michigan campus, went to the cemetery, and with, like, tiny shovels dug out the gravestone in the middle of the day and then threw the slab on the back of the truck and drove off with it. And he took it back to his house and, like, cobbled it back together in concrete and then brought it back and set it into stone. So that was cool. So I feel like there, I'm like... Yeah, my great 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 grandfather better be feeling proud that his stone there is happening. So we're both German, but you you're like yeah, probably so the German side for me is very loose because even though like so I don't feel very connected to it at all. And most specifically because what I found out in doing genealogy is um I just thought it was weird that like our family had no big connections to like the German side, even though that was like the longer established side. And it turns out that in around like 1890, two German brothers married two Irish Catholic women and converted. And then that became like the talk of the small town. So basically it like broke the wedge. So I was able to kind of like cobble together, like kind of what happened, who's bar- like, why, why the, because I was like, it's weird that the grave only went back to like my great grandpa. I was like, how come, where's everybody else? And it was like, oh, they're all, in the Lutheran section. <laughs> um, and then I've got some Acadian in me from um, another side, which is cool. So those were French migrants who came to Canada. And then um, when the British, you know, when Britain came and colonized, basically was like, you know, we don't want France here very much. Took um, a whole bunch of Acadians, rounded them up and took them down to Louisiana and they became the, became the Cajuns. So my family like hid out essentially in the woods in Nova Scotia and remained. And so there was like that side of the family, which is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, but this- I'm just, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but it's weird. I also have family that were French Canadian that lived in Nova Scotia. So that's oh, really cool. weird. Maybe we're related because okay. <laughs> there's not that many of them. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, the last one that I'll talk about, cause this one also touched on what Amy said is um, so then there's the Irish side. I'm not going to speak to that. The Irish diaspora is huge. And then, but, you know, like that trauma is generations ago, you know, not touching anything for me in like a hundred years. And then um, in the Italian one is interesting because, again, I know kind of a lot about like the area they came from, which was a very, very poor part of Italy, right in the kind of sole of the boot, like the arch of the boot Mm -hmm. in this area called Bascolata. It was very poor. It was like left out of most of like the wars as they unified Italy. Um, they filmed the passion of the Christ there as a fun fact. So basically my family lived in caves and, um, and so anyway, when they migrated, they all had beautiful names like Floriano, Domenico, they became like Dick, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the names they took to be Americanized. And like my great grandparents spoke Italian and made a point to stop speaking. And that's where I feel lost is like, that's probably the most recent connection. Like I knew my great grandpa who was like born in Italy. Um, and to see that like they made such a hard stop when they came to New York of like, we are going to go all in on this American thing and like literally become like Dick and Bob 
and Joe <laughs> and like cut off from like speaking the language cut off from having the food. And so, yeah, there's like, to me, I feel like there's a bit of like a cultural loss that happens there that I am sad about because I feel like it was close enough that I could like almost reach out, but I was too young to ask questions. Like he died when I was 12 and he probably honestly didn't really know. Cause he was like a dude too. And he was too busy assimilating. Like he would have not been like, tell me grandpappy all about the old country. You know, they were probably like, we lived in caves and it fucking sucked. Like become Bob. <laughs> become Bob <laughs> Dick and Bob is great yeah oh, but I mean yeah Floriano like all these names that are just so cool and I'm like oh it's a bummer yeah so that leads us to discussing this but just and again this like us talking about this is not an attempt to like center ourselves or not even to say that like we have similar experiences because we don't but there is like, you know, I think that we all do come some, from somewhere. So that becomes an interesting thing. And, to that's, like- and that's the thing. I think I think what I'm what I'm kind of looking for, what I was looking for with with asking that question is obviously none of us have had Nora's experience. But what what can we at least draw from so that we can empathize with that experience with her experience to some extent? Like because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. our relatives have that experience, I would say. Yeah. Similar, maybe. Um, so in the aforementioned Vulture article, Celine Song says, it's an adult love story. I wanted the audience to feel there is a very real argument for why she should stay the way there is a very real argument for Sung. I don't want the arguments to be lopsided. I want them to be even. From a romance writing perspective, Song's description of Nora's story as a love story and not a romance is pretty spot on. Without spoiling past lives outright, what would you say is a big difference between a story that is a romance versus a story that is a love story? Well, that's very easy for me. (laughs) So the the definition of a romance in terms of genre fiction comes down to one simple premise. Yep who wants to say what it is because it's a ironclad guarantee if you are reading a romance novel we can say we can say it together one right. two three happily H-E-A. ever after <laughs> i did h-e-a, he did H-E-A. Sorry. Or i know H-E-A but our, our listeners have our listeners have to hear yes. the the words yes. longhand first yes happily yeah. ever after so that is the yeah. commitment like when you are getting a romance novel that is the guarantee you are going into Um, whereas with a quote love story, that is not the guarantee that you're getting into. It could be a story of heartbreak. It could be a story of loss. It could be a story of love with sadness. It could just be a story that ends up having some like, you know, a happy ending. And so it really, it runs the gamut of what it could be, but books like the time traveler's wife to me is a love story. The notebook is a love story, but these are not what I would call romance novels. And when sometimes people are like, Oh, well how are romances good then? Because you already know how it ends. Well, it's the journey folks. Yeah. And I always get annoyed when people say that because I'm like, if you're picking up a mystery, do you think you're going to finish by being like, Oh, well I never figured out what happened. Like you read the mystery to figure out what happened. Like you read the romance to figure out like, how do they fall in love? Like there are conventions to a genre that like, you know, you're looking for an experience. So you select it. It doesn't mean it's dumbed down. It just means that like, you know, you're going to get a certain experience when you sign up to like engage in it. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And that's one thing when I finished this drama, I was like, that was a love story. Yeah. And it was a beautiful love story. I felt the love. It was not a romance. Uh, but it was a, it was a love story, and I thought it was beautiful. So, there's romance yeah, in it, like you can have it. romance in a love story, but a romance genre, 
it ends with a happily ever after. And I mean, and here, here's the thing. We're going to get into this more at the end. I would argue that this does to some degree. So yeah. I um, actually kind of think it does. I actually, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But I would still classify it as a love story and yes. not a traditional um, romance. And I don't want to say more about it because we are in the non-spoiler section. So if you have not seen this, it is now on Vicky. You can rent it on Vicky. Or Prime. Or it's on Prime. Um, For it looks rent. like some, some friends in the UK at least might still be struggling to find it. So if you do know, if you are based elsewhere outside of the U.S., um, and you do have leads on where it's at, let us know so that when people come by, if they're looking for how to watch it, we can make sure that we're getting them connected to the right things. If you can't access it in Vicky in your country, for example. I mean, it is a rental still. It is not free content. It was like right. $5 to rent, I think. Yeah, which it is. At first, when we were going to watch it, it was $20. Uh, and that was the only option. And now at least it's a little cheaper. So that's yeah. nice. But the reason we decided to do it, for, well, the reason I pushed to do it um, is because I posted something about it because I saw a trailer and I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And our Instagram inbox flooded with people who all had something to say about it. And so I was like, wow, this touched a nerve for people who did see it, have big feelings about it. So let's talk about it. But before we get more into it, it's time for our favorite part of every episode, which is our K-pop wreck of the week. And Megan, what do you have for us? I'm so excited about this one this week. So um, I think I've talked before about how I watched Boys Planet and the final group debuted Zero Base One. They're doing great. I love them. Uh, but another group was formed with a bunch of other contestants. And I'm super happy about it because some of these contestants I really, really loved. So this group is called, I, okay, I'm going to say that I, I've looked honestly everywhere and I'm still having trouble knowing how it's pronounced, but I think it's Yvonne. I think that's how it's pronounced. Just so you know, it's spelled E-V-N-N-E. And their debut came out and it is called Trouble. And I cannot tell you how addictive it is. I love the choreography. It's so fun. And it and the music video is fun. The boys look like they're having a good time, which always matter that matters to me. And yeah, I, I love it. Super addicting, very much an earworm. So I hope you check it out. Um, so again, it's Yvonne or E-V-N-N-E and the song is called Trouble. There should be no guilt or embarrassment in embracing the things that bring you joy, which is why the podcasts in the Studio Afterglow Network are tailor-made for you. Discover Afternoon of Delight, where three American writers examine Korean dramas through a writer's lens. Join Afternoon Army, a space for BTS fans over 30 looking for thought-provoking discussions and thirst-inducing content. Delve into the world of fruit with its bananas, where the fruit maven shares how tasting new and diverse fruits led to her self-discovery, joy, and connection. For Asian drama enthusiasts seeking answers, we bring you Afternoon to Asks, where British Chinese and Korean American hosts dive into all your Asian drama questions, including special episodes under Afternoon Asks ND, where neurodivergent straight talk and representation are prioritized, breaking down ableist perceptions. Studio Afterglow is just beginning, and we promise to keep delivering content that warms your heart and tickles your ears. Embrace your passions, find joy, and let us be your source of unabashed delight. Thanks for that. And yeah, short non-spoiler section, folks. That ends that. Ends that. Yeah. So if you'd like to go watch this beautiful film, 
Like we said, it's available for rent. Prime, oh, there's a few others. Prime, Vicky, Apple, YouTube, and Vudu. So I looked, I looked it up. I don't know what that means internationally, but that is where I was able to find it here. Um, and it's well worth the five bucks. Or stick around to hear our reactions and then decide whether or not the movie is for you. But truly, we all loved it and recommend it, even though we have some strong feelings afterwards <laughs> as far as, you know, how much it broke us. Yeah. But um, yeah, so let's dive in. So Past Lives explores Nora and Sung's relationship when they are 12, 24, and then 36. We see them change from idealistic, sometimes moody preteens to young adults, both on the cusp of actualizing themselves as professionals, Nora a writer and Sung an engineer, to full-blown grown-ups in the thick of life, relationships, and questioning the choices they made that got them to this point. How do you think their own personal metamorphoses affect their ability or inability to connect romantically? In a broader sense, like are any of us the same people that we were 12 years ago, 12 years before that? I didn't think so. I really didn't. And the way the movie affected me, I was like, but maybe more than I expected. (laughs) Right. Like I really thought that I had done like profound shifting from let's say like my early 20s. And then in watching this, like we're in the spoiler section now, right? So I can talk. Yep. About Say whatever you want. Points. Okay. So like, for example, um, when they reconnected, uh, you know, he's a young man in Seoul having just finished his military. She's, you know, doing her thing, having just moved to New York. And they had this like intense Zoom, like, you know, it just becomes all pervasive. Like they're ch- talking to each other at all hours of the it was, day. It's Skype. That Zoom didn't exist oh, yet. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Skype. It was Skype. Perfect. It was, it was <laughs> Skype. Yeah. Um, they found each other online and that kind of thing. I was like, when she was like, you know what, when are you coming to visit? Like, when are you coming? And he was kind of like, well, uh, I'm not right now. And she was like, I can't talk to you for a while. Like we need to take a break. But she couldn't go there either. It wasn't just that he wasn't coming. It was, it was mutual. Like, Like she said, like, when can you, when, when can you come? He's like, like, like a year and a half. Yeah. But he like, she put him on the spot one day basically yeah. and was like, you know, when are you coming here? And yeah, he was like, no, no time soon. And she couldn't leave what she was doing. And so she was like, look, I, we have to stop talking for a while. And I was like, you know what? There's no way. Like, I don't think I have that in me to be like that. I think. No, I'd cause you like- could, I mean, you could tell that they were in, in love. Like, yeah. So I mean, he cried and I like yeah. his reaction was like, he's like, I don't know why I'm reacting like this because we're not even like dating. Like, what yeah. is this? Yeah. And so the it fact was she was able to be like, you know what? I need to focus. Like, this has gotten to where like, it's distracting me. I'm not doing my best work. I'm not being who I need to be. Like, I'm choosing me. I was like, you know what, Nora, you're a badass bitch. And I thought I was a badass bitch. And I don't think I am. Like, that's what I think like really hit me <laughs> in this is I was like, I think I might have been just like. I'll see you for breakfast. I, well, I know. I mean, like, the, I, for me, like, what showed me, like, how intensely they were into each other was, like, the first the first Skype, she's, like, checking herself in the mirror, like, what do I, you know, do I look good? Like, how's my hair? How's my shirt? And then it gets to where she's, like, laying in bed with the laptop, like, on yeah. her hip, like, yeah. not even caring what she looks like because she's just so comfortable with Hae Sung. I know. Yeah, I mean, 
when she said, when she basically said, like, we have to stop this because it it was like affecting her life. Like, I think she was putting, she was, even though they weren't together physically, she was still sort of putting her life on hold for him. She was focusing on him and not on the whole reason she moved to New York. And would I have been able to do that at 24? Absolutely not. And I think that, but I understood why she had to draw that line. And I loved that she drew the line. Mm -hmm. I really did. I was like, oh, honey, you're so smart. You're so smart. Yeah. I wish that I would have had the maturity to be like, you're holding me back. I, and I, I like you're holding me back. And I, I loved it. And and I so this this part of the drama is where I did feel like I related to her in that I I often do feel very disconnected from different stages in my life. Like I think about like the Megan I was when I was like pregnant with my kids. I don't. I don't even remember like who is that who is that person like I I do feel very disconnected from who I was previously and I don't know if that's normal or whatever I don't know if that's a bad thing I don't I'm not I don't like think badly on past Megan I'm just I just really feel differently about about a lot of things and I, I you know I take in a lot and I guess I just I do feel disconnected from previous stages of my life and so I could really relate to her when she was like, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. Like the person you knew, that's just not who I am now. And I, I relate to that. I do. I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that I am drastically different. Like I'm sure if I met people from like high school, they'd be like, oh, you're the same person. And that's fine. But I'm saying personally, like inside, I feel different. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think that, I don't think that we stay in this like, you know, straight lane and and never veer off as far as like changing our perspective, changing what's important to us, um, changing how we make our decisions. I mean, none of us had, you know, none of us had kids at one point and now we have kids and that totally changes, you know, your, your view on life and what's important and how you make decisions. I, when I was 24, I made a huge life change for a relationship. And I'm not at all saying that I regret that because that relationship, you know, brought me my two children and I can't, you know, imagine any different trajectory. But it is wild to think about how, like Leah and I were talking about this Mm -hmm. earlier, about, I mean, you know, it is that little butterfly effect, how one little decision that you make in your life makes everything that comes next unable to exist with that life before. Yeah. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Ugh. And then once no. you start to make those choices, it becomes like the pa- like you you feel like you've got like limitless options, and that's not to say that like, you make a choice and then you're on the way to a dead end. Like ideally, no. those keep branching and keep branching and keep branching, but you start to move into like a lane, and then the, that's the lane that you're suddenly on. And so for yeah, for me, I very much yeah, I met my partner at 20 <laughs> and uh you know i am very much the same person and i'm a whole 100 percent different person than i was then so i mean i think it's kind of both and i think that for me it also kind of struck a chord because i did end up choosing the relationship over myself because when we got together, it was like, 
I'm going to be working in, you know, the Southern Ocean and then doing a PhD in Australia. And I like was finishing my undergrad and I was like, well, I, I kind of had always expected I was going to like live in Montana forevermore. I was going to work in state government and politics. And I was kind of like, well, I'm just not going to do any of those things. And I'm going to go do this whole other thing. Um, and so I think like my good and bad quality is I'm really adaptable, which can be great. And it can be bad because I can like start to like lose self sometimes. But yeah, yeah. I chose to follow the relationship and invest there. And then there were times throughout that where I had choices where, you know, I was never like pressured. Um, actually, that was one thing like my husband never like really was like, you have to just always choose me for every option. But because we had such long distance relationships where he was choosing actively to go away, that when we came back together, if I had an opportunity, like there were times I had opportunities to like go work in China or I had opportunities to go do other things. And I was like, I'm not going to choose that because otherwise I'm like never going to see this person. Like it'll be like a year and a mm -hmm. half till I see them. So I'm going to choose not to. So I think I had like a lot of emotional. So even though it's like I don't have like a Korean diaspora thing to fall back on, I have like where do you make choices where you choose like the relationship and the romantic side of it. But then ideas and goals you had, you didn't do. But then at the very same thing, it's not doom and gloom because that opened the door for all these other things. Yeah. It's like choose your own adventure book. Yeah. And again, <laughs> where I end up now, I'm like, well, I'm really happy with the way so many of these things made that I would have never picked if I hadn't made the first choice to go out the door and do that. Yet I feel like there have been losses and consequences and lost opportunities. I 100% agree with all of that. Like that's, that's all I, I, I know. Because sometimes I think, oh, what if I if I took a different avenue, how would things be? I think I would be happy. Mm -hmm. There's not but, one path but it, to but happiness. But it's going to be different. Yeah, yes, I don't. There's think... not one path to happiness, and I think that's a yeah. big part of this movie. I agree. You're right. Oh my god, bringing it back. <laughs> so speaking of bringing it back to the movie, let's yeah. talk about Inyun. So this is something that comes up in the movie, and in um, Malika Rao's Vulture interview with Celine Song, they discuss how Inyun factors into this decades-long connection. So this is from the article. Song's script is built on the Korean concept of Inyun, or destined connection. The term gives shape to the largest and smallest aspects of Korean life the way that karma might for Hindus. In its logic, interactions indicate relationships in past lives. There's bad Inyun, Song tells me. This is the author of the article, not me. Um, we keep facing off with each other, and we don't like that. And then there's good Inyun, that feeling of, oh, how amazing we all ended up here, when a meeting feels wonderfully ordained. You may love someone now because you hated them in an earlier life, or the opposite. And lives run thousands deep, especially if you've seen See You in My 19th Life. <laughs> If two people get married, they say it's because there have been 8,000 layers of Inyun, of Inyun over 8,000 lifetimes. Nora explains this to Arthur in the movie. Haesung asks her later, who do you think we were to each other? Maybe an impossible affair? As they trade hypotheses, Song's elegantly spare dialogue reveals the subtle possibilities contained in the concept. Maybe we were just sitting next to each other on the same train. Maybe we were just a bird and a branch it sat on one morning. And I think that's kind of like what we are just getting at with like these different, you know, directions our life can go in and the people that we interact with and the choices that we make. So what are your thoughts on Inyun? 
What do you think of Arthur's assessment of it when he and Nora are in bed discussing their relationship on the precipice of Sung's arrival when he asks her what if she'd met another guy at the artist's res- residency who liked all the same books as her and could comment on her work? To which Nora responds, but I met you. Mm. That conversation with them in bed was a lot. I, I loved it. I, I... So, I mean, as much as I don't believe in fate at all, I guess I do kind of. And, you know, <laughs> so I mean, it's again, like, yeah, I could go either way. Um, I can, I don't really believe in fate, I guess, or predestiny. And I don't even know if I believe in past lives, but I guess I kind of do for my theory to work. So I do think that I have met people or crossed paths with people in my life who I feel like I have such a weird connection to that it doesn't feel like I've just met them. And I'm not talking about like chemistry or attraction. I'm talking about like something where like I've connected with somebody on like a very bizarre, like soul, like soul deep, soul deep level and some some of them, I mean, it hasn't and it hasn't ever happened frequently. But I mean, like I've had it happen, like you know, where. So you don't like, have that with us. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, oh, tell me right now. Do we have Indian? Tell me. <laughs> I mean, you must have some Indian. I wouldn't have led with you two, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or if not we're laying Inyan for the future we are <laughs> <laughs> like this is one of our 8,000 layers till I'm married yeah. to both of you I don't know I love it <laughs> but yeah I can think of a couple of times where I've been like wow this was like a very weirdly full on connection to have with someone and sometimes they've been very short like a day yeah, I mean, I thought about that. I was like in the shower the other day and I was thinking about this because I, I don't I don't necessarily believe in like, yeah, like faded mates. And I don't even know that I necessarily believe in like soulmates, meaning like strictly on like a romantic level. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in past lives and I do believe in Indian. Like I'm convinced that like I've, I've had a best friend since we were 18 and I'm convinced that her and I, we met before. Like maybe like, I, I don't know. I don't know how we met. Maybe we were even just like dogs in the same litter together, like ten thousand years ago. I don't know. Were there dogs ten thousand years ago? Yes. <laughs> Let's study the rockage. <laughs> no, there were there were dogs. It's okay, you're Thanks. you're good. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm like convinced that it's her and I have Indian, and I think we'll probably kind of even if it's just like we meet as random strangers on a train in the next life, if there are still trains. <laughs> Oh, I just forgot. Yeah, I met a stranger. I met someone on the train too. Yeah. Or if you're a human that can ride trains in your next I, life, maybe we're rats on the sewer, su- sewer lines. Oh Jesus! Whatever. You're well, you could crawl. You could crawl on the train. You can crawl on the tracks. At maybe least. we're just sharing a piece of piece of New York poisoned, pizza together on the subway. Pizza and then bleeding out with your anticoagulation together. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm I'm convinced. So I, I I loved the whole discussion of Indian that was so so uh, like it really touched me and it, it also powerful. made me see yeah it was very powerful and it also made me think of so many other K dramas. Um, like I mean, no spoilers, but uh, Amy and I recently watched a time called You, which we will cover, and I was just like, Amy, they have Indian, like <laughs> it's like you know what I mean. It just like yeah. felt and. 
And this is the thing about this drama to me, or I'm sorry, this movie, Past Lives. Yes, it told us about Inyan, but I think it was like an hour and 45 minutes of showing us what Inyan was. Yeah. Like showing. And it's not just romantic, right? Like it, it's any sort no. of connection that you have. And, and that's why. I, yeah. Because yeah. like, I, I realize that we're supposed to, well, not supposed to. I, I realize that there was, yes, an underlying like attraction between Nora and Haesung. Like I, I get that that was a love story, but I feel like that it even calling, I don't know. It was a deep love story that wasn't just obviously about sexual attraction. It was like their souls had connected when they were kids and they will continue to connect. They connected in past lives and they'll connect in their future lives. And that's, and that's a beautiful love story to me. What, one of the things (laughs) that, um, that I mentioned, I don't remember if it was on Slack or when I was talking or if it was on Instagram. Um, Cause I was going back and forth talking to you guys. Um, I, I a hundred percent believe that she, that Nora and Haesung have been in love with each other since they were 12. And mm-hmm. I think that they will be for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. but the people that they are like their Inyun isn't, isn't the type of Inyun that has them, live a life together right like they will have this connection forever but they will not be physically in the same place forever so do you know what this reminds me of and this is not to cheapen this in any way shape or form but this i just realized because i've been like trying to be like where do where do i have a similar feeling to this i feel bad even saying it because well i don't feel bad it's still a fine story it's just not as good as this bridges of madison county (laughs) is how i feel it's like, well, right. It's like a soul, it's like a soulmate thing. Like where, where you can like meet you somebody this... and you just have this connection and it's inexplicable. Yeah. But, and so in this, like in that one, I remember I watched it when I was like young and it kind of fucked me up at the time because I was like, well, why would she not just run off with like the Clint Eastwood character who is like, obviously so much to her and in the end she chooses her like i think that it's a less empowered choice than we see nora making nora made her choice from a complete position of power um i feel like meryl street's character chooses kind of like family duty so that's different it hits different but it is that sense of like you know that's what she's choosing her family essentially over like her chance to escape and have love and i'm i mean i'm paraphrasing i haven't seen this movie in a very long time right it's been a while yeah, it's like, a book. I, it's a book too, I do and not I think remember I, I think it. I read yeah, it. it was like, um, but, it, but, um, but yeah, and this it's the same. It's like I feel like different because she's not choosing out of obligation. I felt like she chose in a way that I was like, look, I cannot fault you for this. Like you made the choice. Like you made the right choice at every turn. Like you chose you with the Zoom. You chose you with the relationship. Like you chose your career and like the person who is going to best be your helpmate to meeting your personal goals essentially mm-hmm. and how and i guess that's where i thought i was now i was like i thought i had ended up at that place like i think i had i think that's why this movie shook me so hard is i think i thought that at this point that i was like yes nora girl choose arthur live your playwright dreams in new york city you are not going back to korea to be with this man like no and then i watched it and i'm like Fuck this. I want them to <laughs> choose a song. Choose a song. Choose a song. Make this work, people. Get it together. That was <laughs> my brain knew that was all wrong. And yet my heart is still fucked up about it. And now I'm like, great. I guess I just need like 90,000 more hours of therapy. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it, it is like, you know, when Megan finished and we were talking about it before you'd watched, we like, I was like, I wanted to dislike Arthur. And he just kept being so amazing at every yeah, no. turn and being the husband who could be there for his wife while she reconnected with her first love and now support made, her through it. They made all the choices. I know. And I was like, it felt to the point that the choices were so good that I was like, okay, this, all, but it never got like fully TV movie. In fact, they even did like a little on the notes where like they discuss breaking down the wall a little bit of like in a story, I should be the bad guy, you know, cause obviously. Right. But okay, here's my question is, did either of you ever root for Arthur as the partner? Yeah. You I don't did? think, I don't, so. You wanted her to pick, you wanted her to pick Arthur as he son was standing there with his little backpack. <laughs> oh my oh God, my the God. backpack. Well, You're like, backpack. oh no, no, and his... get out of the way, get Arthur back here. And I feel like his like pants didn't fit and I was yeah. like, I can't, I can't deal with this. So, he... <sighs> hold on, there is a line that I sent to Amy yeah, um, yeah, it's so that good. It's so I good. I so it was that. Um, okay, it was that conversation in the bed. Mm-hmm. And Arthur, I, I or Arthur, I I love how he's like having a real honest conversation with her, and, the, and like this is like the open communication between these two was beautiful, and I also loved and how, telling him how he telling her how he actually feels about the whole situation. Yeah, he's explaining how he feels, and he's saying like. There is a part of you that I know I can never really know. Um, And I was like, oh, my God, that's just so honest. And then he says to her, you make my life so much bigger. And I wonder if I do the same for you. And the answer is, fuck, no, he doesn't. I (laughs) No, he doesn't. I I have a treatise to say about this. I mean, I'm just saying I that just hit me. So much. And I don't know. It's really hard because I don't. Nora chose herself. Mm -hmm. You know, like you were saying, Leah, she chose herself every time. And that's who I was rooting for. I was rooting for Nora. Yeah, I was rooting for Nora, man. She was Greta Lee who played Nora. I need her to be just like cast. Like, I found her acting to feel so personal. Like the way she talked was just so natural. She had this amazing charm to her. She had this like sex appeal. There was just so much about her that I was like, holy shit, I would see her. Please cast mm-hmm. her in more stuff. I also loved her wardrobe. Like whoever styled her, I was like, yeah, loved her clothes. She looks like such a New York uh, playwright, didn't she? But um, yeah, I just, I, so I don't know that I was rooting for Arthur. I was rooting for Nora yeah. to have the life that she wanted to have. And I did think that the life she had with Arthur was... That was the life she wanted. That was the life she wanted. And, I, you know, it's not like Sung was like... I I think, too, I liked it. It's not... I, I it, They didn't make Sung out to be this, like, oh, this, like, super wealthy Korean who's, like, coming back in to, like, sweep her off her feet. I like that they just presented, like, kind of humble little Sung who just was still very much like the boy she fell in love with um back when she was like 12 yeah lived with his parents still like a true and like how in this is where i don't feel comfortable like this is her words not mine and i'm not gonna unpack it because this is like this is not for my story to tell but when she was like he's a korean man and that was like how she described it and i feel like having read some first person narratives of like 
the feminist experiences in Korea. Like I felt like I kind of understood where they were going with it. But again, I feel like that's a conversation for someone else to have, not for me to have. But here's the thing is both men in the movie were non-toxic. That's that's why I said to Amy. I go, look. Two green flags. Both major green flags. And so the fact that Nora, like I was like, she is so fortunate to just know, to like have the close relationships she did with both of those men. And yeah. it's because Nora herself is fucking awesome. Yeah. So, so it's, that's why she <laughs> these men gravitated towards her. I mean, if I could pick, I would give Nora the reverse harem. Let her have Same. the men she needs to keep her going in her journey. And the and the thing is, is as much as I loved He Song, he wasn't enough for her. Like, no. He would have, like, fulfilled part of her needs, but not all of her needs. And Arthur is not going to be the whole picture either. He's like a helpmate, basically. And I like, I thought it was an interesting story of, like, how they, how her relationship with Song was much more like that faded mate. Like, you know, like, we just have this connection and we just, like, get each other at this, like, level. And her thing with Arthur, and they talk about it in the movie, too, is... Could it have been anybody? I mean, like, I will argue he was pretty extraordinary and that he could be so, like, communicative and, like, open-minded and things like that. But, like, there was a lot of convenience there. Like, they met at a writing retreat. They hooked up because they were both single. She wanted a green card, so she came to New York and, like, lived with him. Like, it's just kind of worked the whole time. It wasn't like this grand passion drove them there. But they had, like, kind of a solid friendship and love that built from that. But it was essentially, like, he was going to be there to meet her goals. And her ultimate goal though, was to be in New York working on getting a Pulitzer as a playwright. Yeah. And the way he was so freaking honest and the way she was also honest with him when she came home from that first meeting with Sung, and she sat down on the couch and she looks at her husband and says, you were right. Yeah. And he goes right about what? And she goes, he came to, he came here to see me. I would oh, like right yeah. in the heart. Cause you could see author having to, process that like not and not be a dick about it not be a dick but also to like have to curb his own jealousy mm-hmm. but then also probably really appreciative that his wife was honest with him like mm-hmm. everything about it was just the communication between the characters i was like what level of maturity right is, is this is this what real adults are like? I, I was also like can i sign up for this life those or, are or those are yeah. three very like self-actualized people <laughs> and i'm still yeah. figuring the shit out i do want to give a shout because we haven't said his name yet john magaro who plays arthur um just a little little tidbit about him is that irl in real life he is married. He is a white Jewish man married to a Korean American woman. So that was one of the things I read in one of the interviews is that he, you know, he and Celine Song, like, you know, connected, you know, very much, obviously, because they've got sort of a, a flipped experience because um, she is married to a, a white Jewish man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just lots of meta-ness going around here. Like uh, Greta Lee is, you know, a... Uh, a daughter of immigrants and she's, you know, well, that's coming up in my next question. So let me just, let me just get there. I do want to just say real quick that John's or uh, Arthur's book in the, in the movie was called boner. I don't know if anyone noticed that when he was signing books. Yeah. Just an, was, and it's not explained. It's not, it's ex- never explained. It's never referenced. And I found it amazing and hilarious. <laughs> I just, I, that's all. I just need to throw that in there. 
So, okay. So in this in the CNN article, um, Greta Lee, who, like Song, is the daughter of Korean immigrants, describes herself as bicultural and bilingual. As far as accessing Nora's perspective, she says the usual cinematic conventions of romantic drama of a woman still grasping for her identity or her life wants were ill-fitting. We talked about telling a story from a different place, from a woman who knows exactly what she wants, is full of ambition, and is very steady. So what is your reaction to this version of a romantic or a love story heroine? So I know it's really common to, uh, like when you read romance or, or even really any book, that a lot of people like to put themselves in kind of the role of the heroine or the whoever they relate to, okay? And so a lot of people want to be seen. So sometimes they want, they do want a character who is maybe different from, I would say, like, conventional or the norm. So they want a character maybe who's plus size, or maybe they want a character who's like neurodivergent or something that they can relate to. I'm a little different in that I like to put myself <laughs> in the place of a character who just like has everything. Like, like right, I somebody who's a- not a hot mess because I am. No, I, cause I'm a hot mess. Yeah. I, so I love it when a character is just like drop dead gorgeous. Great. I'm going to pretend that I am drop dead gorgeous with long, beautiful, shiny hair. Um, shampoo commercial hair. That's what I'm going to pretend. I want a character who's like really good at her job. I like, <laughs> that's kind of like a fantasy for me. And so I loved watching this where she was just this like, uh, you know, self-assured, confident woman who always put herself first. I was like, fuck yeah. Like I loved it. I loved it. I loved being in Nora's world and mm-hmm. I could have taken more of it if it didn't wrench my heart out, but I could have taken more. Well, and I think, I think that it, I think that it probably took a lot for her to get to that point. And like, you know, fuck, she's not going to give that up. Like she, like she had so much agency after she immigrated to Canada, but like the Canada thing, that was her parents' decision, right? Like her parents were like, we are immigrating. We're going to, you know, we're going to start over, you know, we have opportunity, you know, across, across the sea. And so, because the last time that we see Nora as a 12-year-old, first she and her sister are on the plane, and they're all excited, and they're practicing their English. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. You know, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? You know, going back and forth. And then the next time you see her is, it's like recess, and she's standing against the wall, and everybody mm-hmm. else is playing, and she's just watching. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. to me, I, I'm like... She worked hard to get where she is, and so I loved the idea of her having this agency as much as it broke my heart, um, you know, to, to see her have to make these decisions. She chose herself. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. is like at the end of the day, I don't know if I'm going to watch this again because I found it really hard and – afterwards i was just like i finished it at like almost midnight and was like well motherfucker now what right now like, i gotta sleep yeah. <laughs> like jesus <laughs> christ i'm like what do i do and i like Fair. woke up at four in the morning thinking about it i was just like ah so i mean yeah i don't know i don't feel like i maybe in the right stage if i want to like explore something but for me this didn't like bring me joy and yet it did so i mean right. for me intellectually I che- I mean I think this movie was fantastic. I think it did all the jobs it was meant to do and then some. I'm really impressed by everyone who is part of it. I think everyone should watch it. 
And I think it's also very reasonable to be like, I found it really difficult and confronting. And that's probably like my, that's a me issue, not a movie issue. (laughs) But I mean, that's okay. I I do think that there were moments in my life that this movie would have been really hard to watch. And in the future, there might be moments in my life where this movie wouldn't have hit me in a positive way. Because it did hit me in a positive way, but I can see how there would be times where it didn't but it um, is po- i mean that's the thing is it is too it's still positive like she's still is, it she, is like when she finishes i'm like she like she got like a modern day happy ending and that like she chose what she wanted but and, there's like, still she, loss in that choice like that's the thing there's still loss, still loss. yeah so uh, okay like, so, so this, much yeah i was gonna say this is what i want to say about like what i wrote about the ending here um so the ending, in the broader perspective, Sung represents what Nora's life might have been had she never left Korea, and Arthur represents the life she's made for herself in America. Nora remarks to Arthur how being around Sung makes her feel less Korean, while Arthur tells her that when she talks in her sleep, she only ever talks in Korean. The duality of her identity is clear, as is the decision she makes in the end. For Sung, Nora has always been someone who leaves, but he tells Nora that for Arthur... She's someone who stays, which is ultimately how the film ends with Sung hopping in his Uber to head back to Korea and Nora going back to Arthur, who holds her while she sobs. Like, it is a happy ending full of loss, right? When she walks back and Nora's like really strong. She doesn't cry a lot in this movie. And so she's walking back and the shot of her like walking back, you can kind of start to see how like her her body posture changes. And that's when and you I as a viewer, I was like, oh, shit, she's crying. Like after she said bye to Hazel. Mm -hmm. And then she reaches her steps and Arthur stands up and she and he holds her when she cries, essentially over another man, but also not. She's not just crying about that. She's also crying about just. It's a, whole, it's, 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 it's a whole Nora that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, she's basically grieving almost her past. And she's grieving the loss of the what if. The what if is done. Because I think Sung kind of represents the what if. Like, what if she would have stayed in Korea? What if? Blah, blah. But that, that what if now, she made her choice. So she's like almost grieving the loss of that what if. And it's beautiful and sad and also happy it was just so much emotion. I mean, I cried really hard. <laughs> and But I cried really hard in a way that I didn't feel awful. Like, I, it was a very cathartic, mm-hmm. cleansing cry in a way, which my husband does not understand. Because he will come up and I'm, I'll be crying over a K-drama and he's like, I don't understand why you do that. I was like, I know you don't because <laughs> your emotions are stunted. But uh, this feels good to me. Yeah, I mean, I loved it. And I weirdly do think I would watch it again. Um, I'm because not surprised I, you watch the end of Goblin like every Yeah, I know. Day. You love to do that. <laughs> I know. But I but I, I don't uh I don't know. I I love every character in this and I love the love that they bring to each other and it's just I don't know, it was it it, it was very powerful for me and I I mean I want everybody to know about this movie and to watch it. And I am stunned that I thought I would want an Arthur. And I was like, meh. 
<laughs> you're, you're, she, Leah throws on a tiny backpack and is like running to the Uber. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm stunned. Stunned, I tell you. Like, I feel like I'm like looking up at the night sky like Zoolander. Like, who am I? <laughs> <sighs> I mean, no. honestly, if Arthur's fine. I feel like eventually she could outgrow Arthur too. I wouldn't be shocked if like you were to visit her at like 45 and she's like off Arthur too. And she's still just doing her. Like, I don't know if and that's fine. If that's, yeah. if she's no, happy, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, sorry, I like, Arthur, but if she's happy, like, well, the writer Celine song said she wants people to, she doesn't want it to be lopsided. Like she wants, she thinks that both Hey Sung and Arthur were like, Arthur were like, yeah the same weight on a scale you know yeah they offered different choices but they were they, but they were completely different choices and they were different lives and what put the scale on arthur is that that allowed her to choose her goals and right. if she had gone with hey song her goal like it would have been a much more complicated road and the other thing with hey song that i don't think we've held him accountable for much is the fact that he was on a break <laughs> and then came to kind of be like <laughs> So I'm just gonna like I'm not. I'm you cannot it. make a Friends reference. <laughs> yeah, <he's> like, <laughs> having never friends. watched Friends, I'm ambivalent to this situationship. So I've come to seek you out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did just kind of show up to spend. But he knew she was vacation. married, and he was I not. I mean, yes, he did go to see her, but he, but he wasn't. He wasn't going for some illicit affair. No, he wasn't gross about right. it. Right? No. No, and and in his mind, because I do think dating conventions probably for him are different than how they would be for her. In his mind, they weren't ever dating. Yeah. No. And maybe, did he want to? Probably. But so I don't think he also saw anything wrong with going to visit her. And and she didn't see anything wrong either. Like, I mean. It's I, closure for him, too. Like, it is. it's her story, but he, he got what he needed out of that trip. And, you yeah, know, like, I've been to, like, exes. Like, I've even been to, like... You know, I had a situationship a long, long time ago, and I remember like going to their wedding and being like, like that was an interesting wedding because that was like somebody who like I don't really think about too much, but at the time, like there was like a choice where I ended up choosing like the path I'm on now versus like them as an option essentially. And so right. when I went to their wedding later, I was kind of like, it was just like for me a bit of a funny, like, huh. And I didn't have any sense of like, boy, I wish I'd picked this path. But it was just funny to be like, well, it's it, it was just I was actually rather ha like I was happy about the whole thing. I'm like, this person's on like such a good trajectory. This is all feeling good. I had like no weirdness because it never became out of hand. It was never like I was in this like tumultuous relationship. I don't think I would be quite as generous then to like go to someone's wedding and be like, live your best life, buddy. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, there had been a crossroads at one point where I was like, I could go this option. Or I could, like, keep going with this other option. And, like, which one am I going to choose? And I feel like, you know, we all have had times like that or people like that. And so you're kind of like, oh, this way, this way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I I loved at the end that Song was also kind of, like, happy. Like, he, yeah, I think this was closure for him. He was like, okay. Yeah. You go. Done. You go get with that girl you're ambivalent about. Pump <laughs> out 2.5 kids. Woo! Aww. <laughs> Which is like he was on the road to traditional family life. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was never going to. I mean, that, that was one of the things that one of the other things that I really appreciated about this is no one 
asked anybody else to uproot their lives for them. Like, yeah, Sung didn't right. say, leave all this and come back to Korea with me. And she didn't say, leave your life in Korea and come here with me. It was like, Korea and you are over here, and I'm here now, and this is how it's going to be. Yeah. I know. I loved it. I really did. I, I did, really I, did I, And it hit me. I know I said at the beginning I was, like, ambivalent about it, I and I was worried it was going to be... So I think Nicholas Sparks, like, he just wrenches your heart just to wrench it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe at, at the time, I should have had much more faith. I didn't realize it was it was so autobiographical, or I would have had a lot more faith in it. Um, but I didn't feel like that. I felt like this movie was so genuine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so real. And uh, I just... I, I hope Celine song does so much more like, yeah we should write her you, a fan letter you go girl for sure like <laughs> yeah we yeah we want to see more because you're clearly so freaking talented and the way she writes dialogue is truly beautiful because real, i mean really that's what this whole thing was was dialogue and longing oh, looks yeah. and and yeah. beautiful yeah. No, i mean was... okay speaking of like acting without saying a word like that very opening scene where it's other people at the bar trying to figure out who, oh that was a great open who Sung and nora and arthur are to each other and they're like speculating yeah and just arthur's expression and body language like i mean all of them it was just such a great and then nora opening. looks at the camera i was like fuck that was a great cold open and it's just like these voices speculating like what is their story and i was like this was a genius open yeah it so was. good everything about it I, just, I need i need more from her basically yeah. it was fantastic so look i bitched about it and i've yelled about it but all of that comes with love because that's i mean like that's the point of art you're supposed to feel something and for me i felt you felt a lot of things yeah, well, I mean, I felt a lot of confusion because yeah. I really, like I said, I would have gone in intellectualizing, like, I think Team Arthur makes sense. There's no part of me that walks away thinking Team Kaysong makes sense. And I'm still just fucked up about yeah, it. You're gra- um, yeah, you're you're grabbing that backpack, yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to say one more thing about Tall Yuk that I forgot. So he speaks four languages, and he actually speaks very good English. Uh, I He speaks good English and love to hate you, and then I've just seen interviews with him. So he, I think it's wild that he speaks such good, in, such good English diction and then had to speak. Had to fake the broken English. Had to fake oh, yeah. kind of like the broken English, kind of like Conglish, as That's... they say. Like the fact, like, are you kidding me? Like the, the, the linguistic talent for that blows me away. Blows me away. But yeah, he is awesome because he's actually born, I think it's, he was born in Germany. So just a little bit about him. Well, but I just really want collector. You got to see so, him and everything now. Yeah, if you guys aren't ready for past lives, like if you're listening and you're like, I'm not up for past lives, you can watch him and love to hate you, and he is fantastic. It's a really good drama, and it's on Netflix, so it's really accessible. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks everyone. This was a great yeah. discussion, and I'm excited to hear what other people think about the movie. Yes. Yeah, me too. We'll see you next time. Until next time. Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T 
www.kcskincare.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!